All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome to Black and White Church. Uh, this is your boy, Ryan. And uh, Colton, how you doing, man? Good. We are uh, not in our usual studio, even though we've never <laughs> had, had a, a studio. <laughs> what do you mean? This is high, right. high tech. We are actually sitting in a children's portable right now. Right. There is a class rules on the right next to us, and i just like to, to read those to us uh, for this, this episode. The rules are looking eyes, mm. listening ears, uh, quiet mouth, yeah. helping hands, yeah. and walking feet. I hope some of y'all paid attention to those, because you got to do that. What is walking? Do kids not walk? No, they just can't run. Oh. Yeah, no running in the portables. See, I read that as they were like, they, they wouldn't move, and no, so no, they no. need to have walking feet. No, no, no. Okay, well, that's that's fun. Speaking of walking feet, hmm. let's talk about Black Lives Matter. Well, let's do it. <laughs> but first, Ryan, before we get into that, when you hear Black Lives Matter, you often first, or as a response, hear all lives matter. I remember watching the news, actually the news by Twitter, and by Twitter it's the same thing as a news. And on Twitter in Utah, when some of the Black Lives Matter protests were happening, there was a man that showed up, a white man, and he showed up with a crossbow. Actually, no, it was a bow and arrow, not a crossbow. And he was pointing it at people, marching, yelling, all lives matter. Nice. All lives matter. Sure. <laughs> if it wasn't so scary, because it's like... Bro, you might take out someone's yeah. actual life. But it's kind of like he's got a bow and arrow. It's like, what are you doing, it's like a dog? He's like cocking a bag of bow and arrow. Whoa. So as soon as he shoots one, he's done because yeah. you could storm him. Yeah. And that's what happened. Actually, people stormed him and beat him up. So Ryan, all lives matter. When when you hear all lives matter, what what do you feel? What do you think? What do you hear? What 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 do your looking eyes and your listening ears say? Well, can't have a quiet mouth. Uh, so here's the thing. When I hear All Lives Matter, man, it's just another dismissal of a specific experience. It's just like having colorblind theology. It's just like trying to redefine somebody else's experience. The thing is, of course, we all know All Lives Matter. Like, especially, this is black and white church. Followers of Jesus fundamentally value life. That's what we do. We value humans. God values humans. We are made in the image of God. God values life. He values animals. He values the earth. He values us. Uh, so duh, like, of course, yeah. all lives matter. Yeah. So at my initial, the sky is blue. Just, yeah, it's just like yeah, that's just a plain Actually, truth. Is the sky blue? Yeah, no. yeah. I thought it was like light rays refracting from the sun or something. Oh. I, I was thinking of water's not blue. Oh, water's reflecting the sky, Ooh. which is blue. But I was about to say the sky's not blue; it's reflecting the water, which is blue. But that would have been wrong. Nice, 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 nice. Anyway, can't be wrong. Sorry, yeah, God, can't, <laughs> can't be that. wrong on a podcast. No way. Uh, um, yeah. So when I hear "All Lives Matter," it's like, yeah, duh. Yeah. But it seemed that uh, specifically for Black people, uh, going through historically the same things over and over and over again, where our bodies are just being subjugated and we're being told to stop doing whatever we're doing, um, that theirs didn't. And so when I hear "All Lives Matter," I'm like, cool, getting dismissed again. Yeah. Um, when I hear "All Lives Matter." I think of that dog commercial with uh, Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin? I don't, I don't really okay, know okay. who that is other than she's in the dog commercial, but I think she's an artist, right? She's yeah. She's a singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know the one where it's like sad dogs that need to be adopted? And yes. And it's singing like, in the arms <laughs> <of> the <laughs> uh, Yes. So when, you think of, when I think of All Eyes Matter, Ooh. I think of that song because I haven't seen a single soul that would sit there and watch that 
and say, well, what about the whales? Oh, <laughs> or what why about, are we adopting dolphins? Yeah, why aren't we adopting kitty cats, huh? Yeah, yeah. Don't all animals matter, Sarah McLaughlin? Yeah. If that even is your name? For sure, for sure. Um, it, it's just, it's like, don't all animals need protecting? Or are we just going to focus on dogs in this video or in mm -hmm. this commercial? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, you know, like on Father's Day. Right. You know what everyone does? They say all parents matter, right? All parents matter on That's Father's true. Day. That's true. Like on the 4th of July. I celebrate Canada's national holiday on yeah, that yeah, day yeah. because even though we were trying to focus on July 4th and America's and independence, thing I'm going to focus on Canada's independence too because right. we shouldn't leave other nations' independence out. No. I, like on my birthday, sometimes I'll go to other people and celebrate their birthday. Yeah. Because it's like I, to make it just about me, that's kind of selfish. Yeah. So I'm going to celebrate your birthday on my birthday now. Yeah. So you get two birthdays. Two birthdays. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what I do. And even like thinking of this in the negative context, like if you're... If your daughter was a survivor of sexual assault and she's like, hey, I want to bring awareness to this, would you remind her that there's like other crimes out there too that need awareness? <laughs> no. If she was like, hey, I want to support women getting out of domestic violence, you'd be like, well, what about crime and like robbery? <laughs> what about these other ones? Right. It's just kind of one of those things where it's like, why do people get triggered by Black Lives Matter as if it's saying that black lives are more important mm -hmm. than other lives. And so they have to respond, all lives matter. Mm -hmm. You got to police that statement. It, it's just like, it doesn't make sense. No. It's like any other thing where we're bringing specific attention mm -hmm. to a specific issue. Yep. We're like, oh, that makes sense that you say that specifically because that's your cause. Yeah. Um, but not here. We're not allowed to do that here. Yeah. And so there naturally that leads us to, okay, what's going on underneath then? What's causing that reaction? What, what are the stories or expectations that are being crushed when you bring that amount of specificity to the table? And I think that's why it's really important that we talk about this in this episode. Yeah. And All Lives Matter, although it's, uh, it's new, it's been around for a while. So like when the Black Panther Party started rising up or even, you know, MLK, I think at one point said Black Power and yeah. talked about Black Power. Yeah. Um, and that was immediately used as like, people were trying to say that black people were trying to be in power over white people. Right. When what they were just trying to say is that, hey, we can have power too. So this is something that's rooted in history. All Lives Matter is just the slogan now yeah, because Black Lives Matter is the actual slogan. So it's a counter to it. Yes. So let's talk about Black Lives Matter then. Ryan, when, when you hear Black Lives Matter, are you a, a card-carrying Black Lives Matter activist? Zero percent. <laughs> I'm not. Do you donate to Black Lives Matter, Ryan? I don't. Have you uh, formed a, a rally with Black Lives Matter activists? Like you, you went and started it with them. No. Oh, but but Ryan, I've heard you say Black Lives Matter before. Yeah, just because I agree with the statement. <laughs> it's like it, yes, hold on, Black no. Lives Matter. It, it, that's not allowed. Right. I'm supposed to be now a communist Marxist. That's true. It, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm supposed to do now. When I when I think of Black Lives Matter, it's like I went to the Black Lives Matter rallies, not because yeah. they were Black Lives Matter rallies, but because of black people. Yeah. Like, oh, I want to yeah. go support by marching. Yeah, I did the same thing for Deion Johnson. Uh, yeah. He was killed the same day as George Floyd by yeah. uh, Arizona, uh, the Highway Patrol people. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it's one of those things. It's like we say you can't support Black Lives Matter as a slogan yeah. without supporting the organization. Yeah. Or some people have never even heard that you can support Black Lives Matter as an idea yeah. compared to the organization itself. Mm -hmm. But it's like, what do we do with pro-life organizations? Mm -hmm. I'm pro-life. It doesn't mean I support every pro-life organization. Yeah. What do we do with like people who voted Republican? Does mm -hmm. that mean you agree with the whole RNC like platform, like the Republican national platform? It's like, no. 
Right. You know that you can like say slogans that you agree with mm-hmm. um, without like meaning that you associate with an organization that yeah. has taken on that slogan. There's not this like automatic assimilation to some specific tribal coherence just because you need to have nuance with the thought. Yeah. This is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not here to, we're not going to talk about Black Lives Matter. The organization is a lot just because we're, we're Christians and we're not a part of it. doesn't yeah. mean that Christians can't be a part of it, yeah. but me and Ryan just specifically aren't. But we often get accused of being like a, I've been accused of being like a BLM activist or being duped by BLM. Yeah. Um, so there's like first claim number one that BLM is communist, which I would want to debate that a little bit just because of what that means. Mm-hmm. But then two, that therefore I am now a communist because I'm a Black Lives Matter activist yeah. because I posted Black Lives Matter. On just social media. Yeah. Uh, you know, Literally. I've never given to it, never donated to it. Right. You know. All that is to say, we just wanted to hit on All Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter just to show everyone, as like with the Democrat episode, like we're not Black Lives Matter activists. No. We're Jesus activists, which means we believe Black Lives Matter. Yeah. <laughs> we believe that truth. If you're a yeah. follower of Jesus, you should believe that truth too. Yeah. And also All Lives Matter, that's, that's truth. It's yeah, that's just not truth. helpful in yeah. this situation. Again, it's like, hey, it's my birthday. And if Ryan responds, well, I also have a birthday. It's like... That's not helpful. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like, cool. That's Our relationship is real and, yeah. help, and, and specific. I'm not going to invite you to my next birthday party when I have my donut pyramid cake. Nice. Um, I don't like cake, so I get a donut pyramid on my birthday sometimes. Um, and by sometimes, I mean that happened once when I was 10 years old. Um, oh. and my, mom, my mom got it for me. Nice. Thanks, Ann. Um, thanks, I can Ann. get you one uh, for your 26th. Nice. Yeah. That's it. It'd be a big thing. Anyway. The big thing we want to talk about is police brutality, and in connection with that is some of our kind of justice system in general. Um, and so often when we talk about police brutality, we're going to talk about specifically in its relationship to black people and its relationship to white people. But before we talk about the specifics of that, because often sometimes when you talk about how many black men were killed by police, people respond by saying, well, white men were killed by police too. Yeah, as if that's like good. Yeah, as if that's like a, a way to dismiss. And it's like, wait, that, no, that's, that's bad. Like, that's really bad. Some statistics for you guys, and again, in the footnotes, you can check where they're from. Um, on average, police kill about 1,100 people per year uh, in the U.S., and this actually, this rate is declining, so that's a good thing. Um, it used to be higher. You want to guess what the next uh, closest nation is, Ryan? Uh, the next closest nation, I'm going to go ahead and say the U.K. They're actually pretty close. Okay, okay. Uh, actually, and by pretty close, I don't mean that close at all, but Canada no. is oh, actually wow. second. Our wow. neighbors. Um, and guess, guess how many they have on average? Uh, 800. Uh, 36. What? <laughs> so the U.S. has 1,100 deaths per year. We lead the, all nations. The next closest is the Canadians with 36. Um, I actually, I think there might be like a couple nations in there that have a little bit higher. I think one of them is uh, Turkmenistan. I don't know if I said that right. I don't know. Um, but in terms of like the nations we associate with like being similar to us, right? Um, Japan has two police killings per year. Germany has eleven. England and Wales has three. Sweden and Norway had eight combined. So again, eleven hundred per year for the U.S., which is a Western wealthy, you know, advanced advanced society. society. And all these other advanced societies like Japan, Germany, the U.K., Sweden, Norway, they combine for about fifty total. Amongst all of them. Um, I don't know percentages very well, so I don't know how to do math. But that's a big disparity, considering that some of these nations have similar to us in population, if you add them all together. So, there's clearly a police brutality problem in America. Clearly. And anyone who wants to debate that, we can debate why. We can debate the solutions. 
But to, to say there's not a police brutality problem is to just not really understand any other nation other than America. So let's talk about prison. <laughs> yeah, might as uh, well. So the we have the highest prison population in the world. So we have the highest police killings in the world and highest prison population in the world at 2.2 million Man, people. we love murder in prison, don't we? Yeah. That's yeah. one of our things. Yeah. Or killing in prison, yeah. you know, because I'll get debated on. Is it murder? Is it murder? <laughs> is it killing? And then we'll go into a theology of ethics. And right. Like, Can you guess wow. what the next closest nation in terms of prison population is? I'm going to go ahead and say Australia because they started out as a prison. Yeah, but they were freed prisoners, so they don't uh, want to go back, right? Oh, got to go, got to go. Um, gotta, gotta, it's gotta. China. Which that's China. a lot of people would probably guess China. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and they're at 1.7 million, so they're 0.5 million off. But if you look at how many people China has <laughs> compared to the U.S., they still have less people in prison, and they're communists, Whoa. and they throw people in prison for no good reason sometimes. Yeah, I mean, just even recently, they were throwing a lot of I think uh, Muslim uh, Chinese people in prison. The Uyghurs? Yeah, for no reason. Yeah. So even a nation that does that yeah. has less, less prisoners wow. than us. Um, the next close, closest actually in terms of rate. So China, if you'd go by rate, like per person, per population, um, China's not actually the next closest. The next closest is El Salvador, Turkmenistan. I said it right that time. Okay, okay. And Cuba. Okay. And if you could raise your hand while you're listening, how many of you would want to live in those places? <laughs> Cool. You would probably you your hand. view them in how Trump views some of these nations. Um, I'm not going to say it because last time I was censored, so I'm not going to say it. I did censor you. <laughs> we have people listening. Um, the UK, guess how many they have in prison? We have 2.2 uh, 2. 2 million. Guess how many the UK has? 477. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. They have 86,000 total. Okay. Um, That's Ireland, London, uh, Scotland combined? I don't like, know. Sorry. You have like the UK, Great yeah, Britain. Really uh, we're sorry, Brits. Yeah, sorry. Um, Scotland. I don't know. I don't know okay. how it works. Okay. Um, but 86,000. 86,000. Okay. If you took the top 31 states in terms of prison population and then made them their own countries in America, so let's say that's like Florida, whatever. Sure. You made them their own countries. They'd be the top 31 st- countries with prison population. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> the top 31. So From just states. So if you made Florida its own country, yep. it'd be in the top 31 of countries. And the other population. 30 countries would mm-hmm. be other states in the U.S. Oh, my gosh. We so. Must be a lot of money in prison, then. No, no, no. Uh, we, you know, the wealthiest nation on earth, the right, greatest right, nation on earth, right, right. the best place to live on earth, Yep. for some reason has the biggest prison population, for some reason has the biggest bad boys and criminals. Yeah. It's not a money thing. We just have a lot of bad people, even though we're really great. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So that's it as a whole. And there's often said in the black community, when white Americans catch a cold, black Americans get pneumonia. Yep. Um, so when we talk about police brutality, when we talk about police killings, when we talk about um, imprisonment and incarceration, black people have it worse than white people. Um, and we'll dive into those stats. So I'm going to read some perception stats before we get into actual stats for you, Ron. I want you to respond to these and maybe explain to the listener why you think they are there. Um, so in terms of like perceptions of police killings of black people, um, so how we perceive, let's say, a George Floyd killing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Laquan McDonald. There, there's so yeah. many down the line. Yeah. 70% of white evangelicals say police killings of black people are isolated incidents and not a part of a greater problem. Um, and this percentage has actually unchanged since 2015. So that's recent. Um, it stayed the same through George Floyd, through all these other killings, stayed the same. 
Black Protestants, 83% of black Protestants see these killings as part of a greater problem and not just isolated incidents. So huge, huge disparity. And then of the protests that are often in a relationship to the, to the killings, 55% of white evangelicals agree with this statement. When Americans speak up and protest unfair treatment by the government, it always makes our country better. So 55% of white evangelicals um, said that when Americans speak up and protest unfair treatment by the government, it's always a good thing. But only 33% of white evangelicals agree with this statement. When black Americans speak up and protest unfair treatment by the government, it always makes our country better. So 22% less of white evangelicals in this same study um, said that when black Americans speak up, it makes our country better. So when, when white people speak up, when Americans speak up, 55% said it's good. When we add specifically the term black, it goes down to 33%. So Ryan, when we think of black church, white church, black and white church, why do you think there's this huge disparity where 83% of black Protestants see these killings of armed black men, unarmed black men, as just isolated one instance instances? Maybe we can call it a bad apple. And yeah. black Americans don't, don't agree with that. I may have said that wrong. Uh, white know. Americans, white yeah, evangelicals yeah. Uh, say they're incidents, isolated incidents, and black Protestants in the similar numbers say they're not. Uh, I think one of the things that's going on here is that this is uncomfortable. It's a really uncomfortable topic to deal with how your nation that you've been spoon-fed your whole life and, and kind of even have leaned into this idea that, uh, you know, being a Christian means being an American means that there's there's gaps in your thinking and there's disparities and there's ugliness in the stories that aren't your story. And I, I think there's such a disparity here because what's been fed largely to the white evangelical community is that it's the black person's fault. Yeah. So that's what's going on here is if black Americans are speaking up, that's on you. You have to fix your own whatever you think is your problem. So of course, 33% would say uh, that it's not helpful because that's only a black person problem. Yeah. Not us real Americans, which is code for oftentimes white Americans, um, especially in evangelical circles. And so what's going on is that somehow these police killings, this mass incarceration, all these things that have become from a result of slavery and segregation, which were led by white legislators and white people in power, has now become our fault. So it's a lot easier to say that these protests and that these killings and that these specific patterns aren't really a pattern uh, when you think it's that specific person's fault, uh, which is interesting because we'll say that these black uh, people being killed by police are isolated incidents, but then I've heard in my own church people talking about how, well, really it's the black community's fathers. Mm -hmm. So behind closed doors, it'll be like, well, the black people don't have their families figured out. But then when you ask about the police shootings, that's an isolated incident. So it's this weird thing of this uncomfortableness um, with the truth about uh, black bodies, black lives not mattering as much since the inception of this nation that keep the specifically white community, white evangelicals dodging the actual discrepancy and even internal logic that's going on here. How can you say in one side of your mouth that they're that uh, this is your this is a specific uh, community's fault, and at the same time say no, these are isolated incidents. Not all police are like that, and then the whole bad apple thing doesn't work because, like we were talking about earlier, uh, <laughs> if you have a bad apple in a bag, 
or in a bucket or in a barrel that's going to spoil the other apples and we'll, literally the exact phrasing from a, where we get a bad apple from is a bad apple spoils a bunch yeah so somehow we just <laughs> ripped out the rest of the spoils that a bunch and just said oh it's just a bad apple just that one. means it's only one person yeah. when it literally the logic is yeah. the one bad apple can spoil everyone else around it right so again caveat before we talk about some of the statistics we don't believe that Cops, all cops everywhere are bad. Nope. That all cops are racist. Yeah. Yeah. We we have friends that are cops. A lot of cops go into policing out of a genuineness, a goodness of their own heart, wanting to serve their communities. Yep. Cops put their lives on the line against crime. All the time. Cops are incredibly courageous in a lot of areas. But if you dive into the history of policing, um, especially in the South, uh, policing kind of started uh, as slave patrols. Yep. um, And that's where a lot of dog use in policing also came from. And a lot of policing over history has been discriminately against black people. We can argue post-1960s. Sure. But we all, when we look at the photos of the 1950s and 60s when MLK was marching, and we see police forces sending dogs and fire hoses on black people, we all agree that that's racist and bad. Right. So, again— we're gonna t- we talked about this in the Systemic Racism episode. I don't know if it's before or after this one, <laughs> depending on when we release it. But the reality is, is that like we can look pre-1968 and see racism in policing and racism in all these places. But post that, somehow it just vanished and it's just bad apples. Me and Ryan are just saying, maybe not. Maybe there's a reality that's a greater problem here at play. Mm-hmm. Just as if there's there's tons of corruption in policing. Just mm-hmm. as there's tons of corruption in pastoring. Yeah. Um, there's greedy greedy cops. There's uh, racketeering cops. There's so many different kinds of ways they do corruption, just like any other profession, that of course, mm-hmm. why couldn't racism be a part of that mm-hmm. scenario? Yeah. And uh, for a lot of you guys, you're already triggered potentially by just criticizing police in general. A lot of you guys have family members, maybe dads, maybe husbands that are police officers. But one of the things I want you to do is just take a breath if you're feeling that and think about this. I, as a pastor, can get criticized for literally everything. The church gets criticized for everything. We criticize our president. We criticize our schools. We criticize Mm -hmm. our uh, public institutions. We criticize our foreign policy. Our sports teams. Our sports teams. (laughs) You can critique everything, and Americans are really good at deconstructing and criticizing, really bad at building up and edifying. That's how it feels. And so just for a second, be okay with criticizing a specific aspect of our nation that has a lot of power, like literal civic power, police officers carry. Life and death power. Life and death power. We need to, if we're going to stay true to our American Boston Tea Party roots here, (laughs) okay, we have to be okay with criticizing things in power. Yep. Um, So don't, try to shield police from criticism because no one is free from criticism, especially if we are accountable to human beings and our public life. And me and Ryan are not talking about your father right now. We're not. We're not talking about your brother. We're not talking about your husband, your spouse. No. Um, We're just talking about policing in general. Your person that you know and your family may have nothing to do with this. Yeah. But that doesn't mean there's not a great problem. Ryan has nothing to do with uh, cheating on his wife. I don't. Because he's not married one <laughs> and he's not cheating right um but we just had a well-known pastor that come out with that he was cheating on his wife does that mean that reflects on ryan no no but we can look at the system that that pastor was in that caused him to have an affair and see if ryan has some aspects of that that are affecting his own life i can do that and i can do that boldly and in repentance because yeah. that's what we do as believers we go okay what's the truth here and how do i need to get in line with yeah. what's healthy and what's good okay 
So let's deal with some of the common things that people say when we talk about police killings. Um, first thing people will say, if they know some of the statistics, is that cops kill more white people every year than black people. Um, and that's true. By strictly a number standpoint, there yeah. are white people killed more by numbers on average, but not by percentage. So again, mm, we have to remember, we scale these things. white people make up far more of the population than black people. Black people only make about 13% of our population. White people are about 60. 61. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, even if it's you know higher numbers, black people are still killed at a much higher percent. Um, it comes out to about 500 white people per year and 250 black people. That means that black people would have to make up about 30% of the population for that number to make sense, but they only make up 13. So again... Black people are killed at a much higher rate than the white population. It's actually six times more likely than the white population. So then what about our unarmed killings? Because it's like, well, maybe black people have guns <laughs> or knives, and that's why they're shot. So Remember that what, one time I made you close your eyes and think about a black kid on the street? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, or they're just holding a toy gun. Um, yeah, Tamir Rice. And so what about unarmed killings? they probably the same then, right? Because it's black people have more guns than white people, right? That's the common. Yeah, that's the common thing. <laughs> and they're bad. Their yeah. communities are bad. Okay, but what about when they're unarmed? 30% of black killings by cops are unarmed black men. 30%. Three out of every 10 people they kill were unarmed. Yeah. Well, they resisted, Colton. Yeah. They okay. resisted arrest. That's why they died. <laughs> Only 18% of white men killed by cops. So one out of every, or two out of every 10 white men that killed by cops were unarmed. Three out of every 10 black men that are killed by cops were unarmed. Um, black men as a whole are four times more likely to be killed by unarmed than white men who are unarmed. And so the next thing we think is like, well, we look at the numbers and actually these numbers are going down and down um, and it's getting better, it seems like in the U.S. Um, but does this progress mean completion? No. If there were less abortions in the U.S. this year than last year, does that mean we just give up the fight to stop abortion? If there were three times less illegal immigrants coming into the U.S. compared to last year, would that mean you'd stop wanting to have immigration laws? No. No. You, if you believe in saving life or preserving life and whatever that might mean for you, you keep going until there's zero. And so one of, the, one of the common statistics is that last year there's only 13 unarmed black men that were shot by police. And people say, people say that's not too bad. That's 13 bad apples. That 13 shot them. bad apples. But the problem is this doesn't include a George Floyd killing because nope. that wasn't shooting. No. They don't, the cop systems and how they gauge uh, police killings, it's normally, it's, it's pretty, there's not a unified system for one in the U.S. Which so is already kinda, a problem. Yeah, it's kind of hard to track these numbers. Yeah. Um, but two, it's often only by a cop discharging his firearm. So when George Floyd gets kneeled to death, that doesn't show up in the numbers. And this does not include like beatings or violence or other forms of police brutality where they don't die. And still, black men are still killed at a higher rate unarmed than white men. The, the, the question is not, are black people indiscriminately targeted more than white people in these killings or in policing? Because um, the prison population is made up of far more black people than it is white people. You can go look at the numbers. It's an extremely high rate. The question has to be why. The question has to be what started this. Because maybe this is something that in the origins of policing, in the origins of prison systems, that we're just inherited this system. And now we're just functioning off it and thinking this is chill. Yeah. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. This is normal. Yeah. But maybe there's something fundamentally wrong. If you had a church that kept on producing pastors who had affairs, and you never once think, huh, maybe there's something wrong with how we're doing church, rather than just thinking, ah, must have been just another bad pastor. It's like, well, what, at what number, at what point do you have to say, okay, there's got to be something wrong going mm -hmm. on here? And again, let's, let's talk about the bad apple again. Um, and let's talk about uh, maybe resisting arrest, Ryan. So when, when I hear a lot of times a black man gets killed, the first thing is, let's wait for the rest of the video. 
And we need more context. We need more context. What were they doing before they were shot? And this kind of sounds like black people have to like be like MLK mm-hmm. um, to not get shot. Ryan, why is that one just tone deaf? <laughs> Um, but two, why is that a wrong response for Christians specifically to yeah. police killings? Yeah. So again, Christians have to fundamentally view every human being in the image of God. We are supposed to be like ultimate life protectors, not just in the womb, but like literally till old age, like any sort of life, human beings, they all reflect God's image. And so and when the response is uh, just immediately, well, what, what do they do to deserve it? You're essentially saying, well, what do they do to make it their fault? Remember how I said yeah. earlier, oh, that's their fault. Uh, it's the black community's fault. What's happening here is instead of looking at um, the maybe the just severity of the moment and just the utter ridiculousness of having to always uh, be cool or justify killing, maybe we need to go and say, well, man, this seems to just be happening all the time. Maybe we have to sit, step back and, and think for a second that I don't need to find a reason to justify why somebody is dying. Maybe we just need to be not cool with people dying. Um, and that's the hard part is often this knee-jerk reaction is to somehow blame uh, the black person or blame anybody being killed by police automatically like, man, they did something to deserve that, which is really weird because followers of Jesus literally get free grace like from Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Uh, that is a fundamental part of our personhood, of our belief, of, mm-hmm. of what we believe God's doing in the world with sin and salvation, we all know we don't deserve grace, and yet we get it. Yet when somebody dies from police, we try to find all the reasons why they deserved it. Yeah. Well, it, it's like if if I was kind of moving around a little bit, I was supposed to, you know, say I was seven years old, yeah. and I'm at the dinner table with my dad, and let's say I was like moving around and trying to make a joke or trying to do something funny, and I knock over my cup of water, and mm-hmm. it spills on the table. Yeah. And my dad then just punches me in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Even if someone makes a mistake— we have to realize what the, the punishment or even the retribution for that mistake should be. Yeah, sometimes these guys don't act perfectly. Yeah. But does that require a loss of life? Like, like, are you kidding me? Right. Like that's even, even if these guys are making mistakes, even if George Floyd was on drugs. Yeah. Are you joking me right now? I was about to cuss about five times right there. Yeah. Um, like what? Yeah. Any other thing where you make a mistake, you think that's the, the, dutiful, the dutiful punishment is you to be murdered, to yeah. kill? Which is why we're saying black life has to matter because it just keeps getting killed. Because if, I, if in that scenario with, with me as a little kid, seven years old, I knock over that cup. What that is saying is that my dad doesn't really give a crap about me as a kid. No. Because he doesn't value me that he, a little mistake like that deserves the most severe punishment. So that's why face. black lives matter because we're trying to say, hey, stop asking if they were on drugs or all these different things. Even if they were, that does not warrant death. death. But since you have such a little value of black lives, since black lives don't matter as much as they should, you can justify that because it is just like if you value black lives pretty low, then, you know, it'd be one of those things where it's okay. As soon as I just need to find one mistake they made and now they were worthy of getting shot by the cop. Right. Um, but yet unborn babies in the womb, we value them so much that we'd want to murder the mothers who had to take their lives. So we have this messed up scale on what we value right. as white evangelicals and white church. Um, and, and something about the bad apple, because we, we think about we think about these cases of cops, and it's like, well, it's just one bad apple. He was trigger happy. He, you know, maybe he was individually racist. We can make all the excuses on the planet for a police officer, 
Yeah. But a black guy can't make one mistake. Exactly. We have all these justifications for why that cop may have acted the way he did. He was scared. Well, what if the black guy was scared? Yeah. You know, like, oh, he had his finger on the trigger and it slipped. What if the guy slipped in his hand? He was going for his wallet and he missed. Yeah. Um, and this reminds me of the story of Laquan McDonald, um, who was shot by a cop in Chicago. Uh, Laquan was having a, a mental episode and he was holding a knife. And again, think of what that mistake is. You're having a mental episode. This is, a, this is not a mistake. This is a mental health crisis. This is a mental health crisis, which and, is real. And he's just holding a knife. A cop shows up um, and shoots him 16 times in 14 seconds. And then a cop emptied his body or emptied his clip into his body while he was on the ground and dead. And the cop that shot him, you might be asking, maybe he was charging him. Maybe he, he tried to plead with him for about 30 minutes, and then finally he had to do this. The cop who shot him was on the scene for less than 30 seconds. He rolled up, saw a black dude with a knife, and within 30 seconds, without talking to him, without trying to do anything else, shot him. Done. And we didn't actually know this at first. And you know why? Because it wasn't just a bad apple. The cops actually gained access to the cop car's recording and then damaged it, so you couldn't recover that. And then they also gained access to the local Burger King's recording and deleted 86 minutes of film. And so in the trial, uh, so we had bad cops, bad cops who were covering up for the one cop who showed up and started shooting. Imagine that. And then, now let's talk about attorneys. At the trial, the officer's attorney shared this argument. Think about Laquan as like a monster movie where the monster is hiding in the bush. There's not much danger, you know, just like him holding the knife. But when that monster finally turns and looks at the victim from the bush, the music starts to play. That was his justification for why he unloaded his gun so quickly. That monster. Because the monster looked at him. He didn't, he didn't charge yet. He didn't have any threat in his life. But you know, because black people are going to do this, mm-hmm. that it's any moment now. So you should just unload your clip. Yeah. Your life or theirs. And thank God that we have a judicial system that's working um, somewhat and getting better. Yeah. Because actually this cop was charged with second degree murder. So that's a, we can argue that's a win. But like how, there's no winning in this situation, right? Yeah, because think of all the other cops that helped cover. Yeah. Think of this attorney that argued this. Think about the, the just the, the erasing of film, the failure of the police department to keep accountability for its own police officers. Think about what's going on with how that gets tricky with going into a uh, business, an institution and deleting their film. That's just you're breaking so many civic boundaries there and mm-hmm. not keeping anything accountable that we can't just say it's one bad apple when the whole system is broken in that sense. Like, we're lucky this guy specifically got charged with murder, but so many don't. Well, yeah. So many are placed on leave or get to uh, uh, just retire without any sort of... Get transferred? Yeah, get transferred to other where it happens again. So, so yeah. And at this point, you have to say, well, maybe there's something wrong with the orchard. If you're if you had an orchard and you were producing 1100 bad apples a year or let's just say unarmed 13 bad apples a year and that's just black people. Right. Don't you think we got to look at the orchard at some point? At some some point. of these trees, maybe it's not all the trees in the orchard. Maybe there's a certain branches of trees that are producing yeah. a bunch of bad apples. But there's some root systems underneath there that are connected. And if you don't understand the history of policing and where policing came from, it didn't just start as this cool idea. No. You need to, there's a podcast you can listen to. It's with propaganda, Jason Petty. He's like the, he joins as a co-host. It's, it's called uh, Behind the Bastards is the podcast name. Yep. <laughs> um, but he has specific episodes that are behind the police. He, this, this guy kind of works through the history behind some of our popular figures, popular institutions. You need to read up on policing and where it came from. Because we have this immortalized, that's not even a word. Immortalized, um, yeah. <laughs> immortalized. You're good. You're good. <laughs> uh, Turkmenistan. Yeah. Um, we have this view that, you know, that's just this 
pure, precious, beautiful thing because we have movies that glorify it. We have all these things that glorify it. But we know as Christians, there's so much sin in this world. There's so much brokenness. Nothing is unstained. Nothing. Everything is stained by sin. Um, so when we talk about the Bible with this, Ryan, what, what do you think maybe first and foremost, when, some, when we have another police killing that comes up, what should be the Christian's response, especially in white church when they got one or two black people in it, what should there be a response on Facebook and conversations? What should their response be? Well, you've probably seen some of this coming. But uh, Romans twelve fifteen says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Loss of life and lament takes time to process. And so uh, some of you guys that are listening to this remember the lament night. Some of you guys chose not to go to that. Um, because you didn't understand why. Uh, Can you some, provide some context for that for someone who may not know what Lament yeah, Night was? Yeah, so Lament Night here at Red Mountain, uh, my the church that I work at, the white church that I work at, it is uh, it was something that we put together to to just think about and, and process really what happened with George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and that critical moment kind of in May and in June. And we did this in the first week of June, and I basically got on stage and just cried for eight minutes and 23 seconds, which is still less than how long that officer was on George Floyd's neck. And I just explained how hard it is to feel seen in a, and, and known and not even seen and known, but like validated as a human being when I'm arguing with people about whether or not he shouldn't have died or whether or not the black experience is filled with pain or whether or not slavery still affects us or whether or not even growing up in a white church with Christians, I still felt ostracized in so many ways, both psychologically and, and emotionally. And what we do is what I've seen is that when this happens, black people are told, wait, don't have those big feelings. You're being too angry. You're being too this. You're, you're putting together a narrative that's non-existent. You're just li- watching mainstream media. And that's just so deafening, man. That is so unbiblical because we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. It's plain and simple that when big, hard, heavy things happen, you are biblically following Jesus' example, supposed to sit with people in that pain. Even if you don't understand it totally, even if you don't understand the entire context, even if you don't know what necessarily happened and all the details, don't ever put the weight of all the details on somebody who's in pain. Don't do that. You don't do that with your wife. You don't do that with your kids. You don't do that with your friends. And if you do, you need to look at your heart and stop being uncomfortable with other people's emotions and actually deal with that because you're probably undealt with with your own emotions if you can't. And so rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. When this happens, uh, my fellow white believers in white churches with uh, black people who work in them or your black friends who attend with you or, or lead with you, listen and, and grieve and process, but don't just correct or debate that don't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you had a friend, a child, a sibling, someone come to you and say, I was just abused. Would your first response be, let's wait till all the facts come out? Your person, they're coming to you in pain. And that's what a lot of the, the black people in our white churches are doing. They're coming to the, the church, which is supposed to be the safe haven, which is supposed to be the family, it's supposed to be the place of grace, forgiveness, mercy, a place that mourning actually makes sense. It makes sense of the world. And you're saying, well, let's just wait to see the facts come out. You can't mourn the loss of life unless it's truly worth mourning. And it's like, how is, 
how is not a loss of life in general just worth mourning? Even before the fact, like, a man died. A man died. Um, and a lot of these guys that were shot are Christians. Mm-hmm. This is literally martyrdom in some ways. And no, they're not perfect, but we're not perfect. Um, and so it's one of those things where, where with Christians, we, we believe in mercy and forgiveness and restoration. We're all about redemption, right? right? We believe that God can turn anyone's life away. We love hearing the stories at church when someone brings a, a testimony and says, I used to be a gang member and now I'm this. I used to be this thing and now I'm this. Right. But then we look at someone who is a gang member. We look at someone who is this thing or who, who just made a mistake and we say they deserve death. Doesn't that sound so contrary to the gospel? And you might say, well, I, I didn't say they deserve death. Well, you are by well, just are not saying? saying it directly. Yeah, um, yeah. you didn't say that he deserved to get shot. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. But then, Well, then why are you bringing up all this other stuff? Why can't you just mourn with me? Um, and if you don't understand, even in terms of our justice system, how the American justice system is one that is punitive justice and not restorative justice, i.e. it's meant to punish, not to restore, then you don't understand our justice system. And then if you think that Christians should be supporting a punitive justice system, one that punishes the wicked or just punishes the guilty without trying to restore the, the people who have broken laws or broken things, then you functionally don't have a biblical worldview. And I don't say that to call anyone specifically out, but just to say if you fundamentally believe that people deserve to die for mistakes— then you don't believe the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> like, that I don't think it's that hard to say that. A basic reality of Christianity. We all made mistakes. We sin. We need forgiveness. Yep. So, just mourn and listen and lament. And if the facts come out later, I'm sure black people will be the first to say, oh, wow, they made a mistake, but they're still going to mourn the yep. loss of life. Still sad. Um, Dave Chappelle actually had a, an eight-minute stand-up uh, routine where he talks about George Floyd and talks about, you know, why are you making George Floyd a hero? Why does the black community make him a hero? He wasn't the greatest guy. And Chappelle's like, we didn't make him a hero. You did when you shot him. Like, the black community isn't making these people their heroes. They're just saying this is another live loss mm-hmm. in the midst of hundreds and thousands in a history of this in America, and this is really sad and demoralizing and debilitating. And so, yeah, please educate yourself with the history of policing, with the history of the, the justices in America, and then go back to the Gospels and say, what, what of this reeks of Jesus? Because I don't think much will. Um, so, Ryan, I don't know if you have anything else left to say, but that might wrap it up on this one. Don't just go and try to go justify this by finding somebody you know who's black and saying, hey, do you agree with this either? Please don't do that. Because that's just more avoidance. So go mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. And if you want to go find that black person, go listen to I Have Black Friends episode. That kind of flushes that one out. Later. Later. Later.